Hi, thank you for tuning in to another episode of State of the Arts, a podcast where art forms are embraced and artists are celebrated. I'm Lee, your hostess of Ceremonies, and this is episode 51. My guest this week is Robert A. Washington, who is a guitarist. He can be found in many local jams in the Westchester area. He has original songs, and he plays both the electric and acoustic guitar. Welcome to my show. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for inviting me. Yes, it's an honor to have you here in the comfort of our home <laughs> and our recording studio. Yes, yes. I got a well greeting from Simba when I came in the house. Yes. <laughs> Simba's their cat, by the way, though. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. He's our little mascot. <laughs> so, uh, tell me, how did your music journey begin and what does music mean to you? Wow. Okay. How did it begin? I have to say that um, I started off in life to become an artist. And somewhere along the line, after seeing the Beatles on the Ed Sullivan show, music started taking more and more of my time up. I had an older brother who has since passed away who was very much into acapella. And I had an uncle that lived down south that actually used to do the old school thing, sit on the porch in the back with acoustic guitar and play. And um, I interpreted my, my interpretation of music was similar to art. I didn't feel like I let the art go it's in so much that I actually approached music as one would paint a picture, in my opinion. You know, the colors being the tone and the silence being the canvas. Wow, that's profound. And you have a few pieces you will be demonstrating for us. Yeah, I have. I brought in um, a couple of pieces, cover tunes and original tunes. The first one that I will attempt to do is called Skin Deep. And it's a, it's an old tune, but it seemed to be, like most most tunes, that um, they're timeless. It just seems that they relate to, we relate to them and what's going on around us. And it seems like, you know, the song goes on, but uh, it never really changes. It kind of like stays the same. The song remains the same, no matter um, what century, come to think of it now that we're in the 21st century been here for a while but i mean the same song some of these songs go back to the 20th century and they could have been written today as far as you know at least as far as i'm concerned
sit out there in this big wide world you're gonna meet all kind of folks but it all comes down to just one simple rule that you treat everybody a very important song and gives a very important yeah. message. It's, it's, it's an old tune. I don't, the original artist slips my mind, but it goes back to the last century, the 20th century song. And as you see, um, it's like timeless things, you know, things go on, but the song remains the same, you might say, All right? Yes, absolutely. Uh, it's a very powerful song. I've actually never heard it before. This is the first time. Yeah. Uh, I, I came across it by um, artist Buddy Guy, blues guitarist. And it was on one of his albums. It was, it was a while ago. It wasn't even a recent album. It was, it was going back a while. And the, the lyrical content just stuck in my head. And I was like, even though I changed a bit of the, the lyrics around the to make it more personal, but um, like I said, to, to repeat, time moves on, but the song remains the same. That's the best way I could put it, you know what I mean? It's, um, I don't want to get too political, but <laughs> things ain't much different than it was in, in the 1994s or whatever. You know, this is what, 2021, 20, you know, and... Um, still applies today. Yes, yes, definitely, definitely. Thank you, Lee. <laughs> Thank you. And you have another song you'd like oh, to play oh, for us? Oh, yes. This one is, um, okay, this is, uh, the name of this song is called Prison Walls. It's an original tune, and it's not that I've ever been incarcerated. <laughs> not that I, I might not have deserved it somewhere along the line, but this is more of, a, of a, my interpretation of someone actually be it male or female that's why i said someone wanting to um build a relationship if you will with someone else and the problem is they can't get out their own way they kind of create a prison prison that they've locked themselves into and they can't you know find the key to um to open up that cell to get out and actually express themselves the way they um, the way they want to express themselves, so they kind of like do it, you know, behind closed doors, if you will. You know what I mean? And I don't want to use the term self pity, but um, try to seek. That's a better way. A better way of putting it. They try to seek the courage to um, to create that key to let themselves out, because it all begins, in my opinion, it all begins with us and ends with us. You know what I mean? We we build the prisons, and we also can unbuild them, as it was. That's very profound. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Thank you, sweetheart. Okay. Candle lifted up, and 
once again I'll try my luck But it's always the same Not a drop left in my cup oh, Just a sad refrain Cause I can't get to you From behind these prison walls And I can't touch you Like the way I did before And when I see you It only makes me want you more But I can't get to you Not from behind Tell myself that someday soon you're gonna find your way back home And I won't care where you've been How many nights you spent with him I've tossed and turned night after night Without a ray of hope inside Where do I start? How do I begin? Let you break my heart again What does it matter? I reach for you You disappear and there's nothing I can do Cause I can't get to you Not from behind these prison walls And I can't touch you Not the way that I did before And when I see pretty baby take you to come up with that um oh this is a long time ago um as a matter of fact i wrote this in 2011 and um hmm actually came i came if i remember correctly i came up with the chorus first and then filled out the rest one of the people that i admire as a writer was um i have to use the word was well actually i still admire the individual but it was john lennon because John Lennon's contention was that when asked about different timings and signatures and the different things that he wrote, how he put it together, his contention is, you just do it and make it fit. You know what I mean? It's just, like, yeah, you just let it flow and, you know, and take it from there, you know, and he doesn't get hung up on, you know what I mean, as far as, okay, I start off in three-fourths, so... If this feels good at 4-4, four, four, I'm playing the 4-4, four, four, you know what I mean? It, it, it doesn't, you know, all the 
the prison walls that we set up for ourselves, he knocks them all down, you know what I mean? And takes it from there. So I, I kind of approach my music the same way. Like I said earlier, I, at least in my head, I write the way I used to paint because I don't paint anymore. You know, I don't even sketch anymore. But I mean, I approach music the same way I approached art. You know what I mean? I really didn't. It's a, it's a classic, in my opinion, <laughs> expression. Ignorance is bliss. You know, I, didn't, I don't know any better. So <laughs> nobody told me I couldn't do it, so I do it. You know what I mean? So I take it like that. Yeah. That's great. Wow. And that's where the art is born. Yes, yes, exactly. I think, you know, the um, looking over somebody's fence, you know what I mean, is one thing. But it's, it's different when, you know, as opposed to looking over the fence when you jump it. You yes. know what I mean, and you know, get over there and get your hands dirty in the grass on it, on your own. You know what I mean. I think I think that that's the point behind it, because looking looking over the fence, part of you is still in your yard. You know what I mean. You haven't really cut it loose. You know what I'm saying. <laughs> right, and keep your eye on the sky. Yes, yes, exactly, and the wind to your back. You know what I mean? Yes. So. And you have another song to play for us too. Um, original one. Oh, um, yes, I guess I, I do. Um. This one is called "Wish I," which kind of you know. Now I think about it, kind of. Matter of fact, I realized it. I didn't realize before. Both these songs were written the same year, two eleven. Anyway, um, yeah, right. I, I just noticed that now. Anyway, um, in my experiences, usually, and this is in, um, how should I say, um, emotions, emotional relationships. Is there such an animal as that? <laughs> you know, usually when, uh, when it backfires, I make that sound like it's a, 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 an ongoing thing, but usually when it backfires, I have an I as an individual have a tendency to say, "Oh, this would have went better if I had this planned out." You know what right. I mean? If if I would have done this or if I would have done because hindsight is always twenty twenty. Yeah. You know what I mean? So <laughs> exactly. I sit up there and say, "Well, if I would have did this or if I didn't if I didn't do this, you know what I mean, or whatever the case may be, <laughs> it would work itself out." And this song called "Wish I" is um. One of those songs where, you know, you, you have a, I had a, um, I fell out of a relationship and looking and reflecting back on it, I had all these things in my head saying that if I would have done this, if I didn't do this, if I would have done that, do this, and that, we'd still be together today, you know, which isn't necessarily so, but I mean, it, it was, it was a good, um, it was a good topic to <laughs> start writing a song off of. So that's how the name of the song is called Wish I.
you, thank you, thank you. Story of my life. <laughs> Dream it away. <laughs> well, that's what artists do. We project, Fantasize, yes. uh, project yeah, our life story <laughs> into our work. <laughs> yes, believe it or not, I agree with you 150%. It's like um, you could actually get into a um, any musician, be it from Robert Johnson, in my opinion, to um, Amadeus. You know what I mean? You, you can actually kind of like read what they were thinking in their music. You know what I mean? It's almost like it's um, they're inseparable. You know what I mean? It, the, your, your life and what you put down on paper. You know what I mean? The two of them together make one. Wow, yes, absolutely. And you said you had four songs. Oh, we're do? Oh, <laughs> okay. Well, this last one is a cover. This last one is a cover tune, and I. Um, it was written by Sam Cooke. Oh, I should I, say the late great Sam. Cooke. Yes. And um, when I hear this song, <laughs> I know it's going to sound kind of weird. No, I guess it wouldn't sound weird. When I heard this song. Um, the second time I heard it, because I heard it before when it first came out, and it didn't make so, so much of an impression on me as it did when I heard it the second time, which is with the, um, the movie, the autobiography of Malcolm X, with Denzel Washington playing Malcolm X. At the very end of the movie, prior to him going to the Audubon Ballroom, where he met his demise, as it were, um, this song comes on as he's driving from downtown up to the Audubon Ballroom, and it's, the name of the song is A Change Is Gonna Come. Yes. And um, it just seems so apropos. You know, matter of fact, even when I, to this day, when I go to listen to it, I don't, I listen to the Sam Cooke version, but there's a, a thing on YouTube that says, um, Change Is Gonna Come, Sam Cooke, Malcolm X. And it shows clips from the movie leading up to when they actually played the song in the movie leading up to, you know, where he went up to the Audubon Ballroom. And when I hear it, I'm like, you know, it kind of says it all right there. As a matter of fact, I really identify a lot with this song, you know, because um, I always, um, okay, how should I put this? I'm content with my life as it is, but I'm not, that doesn't necessitate me being happy. Right. You know what I mean? And I always looked like a change is going to come, but a change for the better. Yes. You know what I mean? It, I could actually say now that I said that for the better, that's in my head because a change is going to come. It doesn't necessitate, we hope as individuals that it's for the better, but it also could be for the worse. You know what I mean? I mean, let's be realistic about it. You know what I mean? But um, that that's what uh, this last song is. Um, and this is my rendition of it. Hope I don't mess it up. <laughs> i 
when I go to my brother and I say, brother, help me please. But he winds up knocking me, yes he does. Back Thank you so much. Uh, it was such an honor to have you on my podcast. The honor was all mine. The honor was all mine. Thank you so much for inviting me. Thank you so much. It, it was it surely it was such a wonderful episode because maybe, of you. Maybe next time me and the hubby Joe can get together and do a duet on some tunes. I would like that, definitely. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Absolutely. And okay. I want to thank everyone for listening to another episode of State of the Arts. This is the Thanksgiving special with Robert A. Washington, a.k.a. Raw. <laughs> and it was such a great episode. Take care, stay safe, and stay true to your dreams. Goodbye, everyone. Hi, thank you for tuning in to State of the Arts, a podcast where art forms are embraced and artists are celebrated. I'm Derek, your host of Ceremonies, and this is episode 52, the big one-year anniversary special. The guest this week is the creator, producer, and host of State of the Arts, Lee Grotto. Lee has a Bachelor's of Arts from Manhattanville College, where she hosted her own radio show on WMVL, performed ballroom dances at campus events, and eventually landed a paid internship with the television production department at Major League Baseball. Along with her father, she taught many ballroom dance classes and performed at many events. She has also worked in restaurant management, done background acting for soap operas, modeled a little, and was briefly an aerobics instructor. Recently, Lee has received her ballroom dance instructor certification with the New York Society of Dance, Teachers Incorporated. As an artist herself married to a musician, Lee has experienced firsthand the difficulties artists face during the height of the COVID-19 pandemic. State of the Arts was created so Lee can give artists a voice and a chance to market themselves during a very bleak time. It has grown into a weekly staple that is never short of creative guests. Thank you for joining me, Lee, and welcome to your show. Thank you, Derek. Oh, wow. I cannot believe it's been one year. This is surreal. And here we are in this beautiful apartment in New York City. Wow. And I want to thank the audience for joining us, too. Yeah. <laughs> Sherry, Anthony, and Woo. my hubby Joe. Woo. Woo-hoo. You guys are awesome. I'm just so glad I'm not on the hot seat right now. <laughs> Although being the host is a little nerve-wracking. <laughs> I've been there. All right, far away. What do you got for me? Okay. Um, why don't you delve a little more into how State of the Arts started? Well, it was during the pandemic. And even before the pandemic, I was talking about wanting to start a podcast for artists. And I bounced the idea back and forth with my husband, Joe. And eventually, uh, he said to me, you keep talking about it, when are you going to do it? <laughs> and then the pandemic hit, and everyone in the arts bore the brunt of this horrible situation, including us. And I know what it's like for artists. And I thought, you know, this is the best time to do it. The artists need this. Absolutely. Give, yeah, giving them a chance to market themselves without cost and to have a voice and so they could be heard during these tough times. Okay, I'm so glad you started this. It's definitely a weekly staple in our household, listening yeah. to your oh, podcast. I am so flattered. Thank you so much. 
Okay, I'm curious. Where do you find such interesting guests? All over, actually. <laughs> I've had college friends on, <laughs> you and Anthony included. <laughs> Yay! I've had relatives on. My mom was on the show actually for the Mother's Day special. She's a piano player herself, classically trained. I had my cousin Christine on, who's an aspiring pop singer. I've had, wow, I've had so many different people on. I've had like, friends on and relatives. I meet people along the way at networking events. I've had musicians on. I've had acquaintances on the show. I've had uh, people who know Joe also on the show, who work with him on the show, just everywhere. Anywhere you can imagine, every aspect of my life, I draw guests. So you're never short of creative talent. Thank yeah. God, it's just been an influx of blessings. That's great. What is your earliest memory of the arts? Wow, that's incredible. That is a very interesting question. I guess going way back, my grandpa and my dad had very active imaginations and they encouraged me to create, create these little storylines to play make-believe, kind of like the Muppet Babies would do. <laughs> I love playing make-believe, and I would make up storylines. In fact, my imaginary friend was not just one friend. I had an imaginary group of friends, and they were all talking animals. <laughs> and this was when I was about five or six years old. <laughs> that is precious. Thank you so much. Hey, I was about five or six. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to really put an emphasis on that. <laughs> Growing up, were you often exposed to the arts in a way that allowed your interest to flourish? Yes, and actually I was an only child with no cousins around my age, so I liked to write a lot. And my father encouraged that because he was a writer himself. He was published in several magazines. He wrote some fictional works that he attempted to publish, but unfortunately that never happened. But he encouraged me to write because I enjoyed it so much. And I would write short stories, I would write parodies, and it was just such an amazing part of my childhood. My mother tried to get me into piano. That didn't work out. I gravitated more towards writing and dancing eventually because my father was a ballroom dancer as well. Yeah, I remember telling you that. It's very interesting that you started off in writing. I didn't know that about you. I'm actually learning quite a bit as we go through this. <laughs> That's how this goes. This is how the yeah. process works. <laughs> and obviously we're both graduates of Manhattanville, Goanville. <laughs> How did Manhattanville help grow your passion for the arts? Manhattanville was an incredible college because it hosted the arts like no other college I could imagine. It encouraged artists to thrive. I mean, it was just a bed of creativity. It was amazing. It had a very strong theater program and um, very strong music program. I mean, I know we had a little bit of envy towards SUNY Purchase because their facilities were better. Yeah. However, academically, I would say the professors were top of the line as far as the arts go. I had writing professors, amazing writing professors also, and my own radio show. I'm so blessed to have gone there. Yeah, WMVL was great because they basically gave us carte blanche to do whatever we wanted. I mean, as long as we played a couple songs from their approved playlist. I mean, that was my experience. Me I could too. basically do whatever I wanted. I love that about WMVL. We had so much freedom to just be as creative as we wanted to. Absolutely. It's such a great <laughs> radio station. Okay, obviously you're married to um, a very close friend of mine, Joe. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and someone who's near and dear to your heart as well. How did the two of you incorporate the arts into your everyday lives? Well, I've actually helped him out with his um, some of his jazz training, and he helped me out with my ballroom dance instruction by dancing together, we would dance to uh, jazz standards, to, like Frank Sinatra, to, to foxtrots, and big band music. Yes, yeah, swings. And in that way, we also had our own photo shoot for some promotional pictures in our own home, which was an incredible experience. 
I sat up on the piano and we did poses and things like that, which was great. It helped us both. In fact, we have those pictures on our business cards, both our business cards. That's great. It's, it's so great that the two of you have similar interest in, in the arts. I would say it definitely helps enrich our marriage. Okay. Um, I know I've, I'm stealing this next question from you, but um, <laughs> what, what advice would you give to someone who's looking to pursue a career in the arts? Don't give up. <laughs> You're going to fail a lot. And that's a part of the process. That's fine. Just keep pushing at it. Keep educating yourself. Keep networking. Keep growing. Don't be afraid to take risks. Stay true to your heart. It's so important. Thank you. Um, obviously, right now you're a ballroom dance instructor who just got your certification. Congratulations. Thank you. How can people study with you and your colleagues at the, I'm, I'm going to get the name wrong. Mende Dance Studio? Yes. Go to their website and request me. <laughs> Call up. <laughs> okay. Do you, would you like to give the, the number or the website? Or? Uh, yes. And I actually have a website myself. You can find me on Instagram, Hybrid Dance. Uh, that's, yes, I can edit this. <laughs> Hybrid dance, I forgot my own website. <laughs> Let me go grab my business card. Why don't you just give them Mendes' website? Well, because they might want to reach out to me. What if they're in Westchester, you know? They're before you end, just put the papers down. Why don't you, down, you, like, why don't you give them your phone number? Okay. Yeah. You mean like... And your email. I almost started laughing twice. Yeah. You can also reach me by my email address, which is lco.osborne151 at gmail.com. Okay. <laughs> go, go to mendedance.com. Spell it. M-E-N-D-E-D-A-N-C-E.com. And my phone number is 917-692-2129. Okay, that's great. I'm hoping that you get a lot of activity as a, re a result of this podcast. And I'm curious, and I'm sure a lot of your listeners are curious, what kind of exciting guests can we look forward to in the future oh, okay well i'm not going to give away too many hints we do have someone who's in the persian carpet industry and she's also a painter as well as a hobbyist and we have a deli owner who's a master of the deli culinary arts and is also a musician he has his own band and cocktail lounge outside of his deli he's like an all-around entertainer it's coming up yes and awesome. i would also like to do a tribute to the late great stephen sondheim may god rest his soul yes that was, that was a crushing loss to the arts when he passed oh absolutely what a legend yeah okay i had a question okay um you've obviously interviewed a lot of interesting people. I'm not going to ask you who your favorite one is because some of them are sitting in this room. And <laughs> a lot of them are sitting A lot of them room. are sitting in this room and I don't want any marriages or friendships to be hurt. <laughs> is there anything that you found surprising? Well, uh, I, there's always surprises. I, I get to know my guests, every single one of them during the interviews. And that's an incredible thing just the questions I ask really delve into their past and their history with the arts and their relationship, personal relationship with their own art form, which is just such an incredible thing. And there's always surprises with every single guest, even with my own husband, when I interviewed him, just new things that I discover. It's just so amazing. And that's what I just love about this podcast. I think that's my favorite aspect of it is getting to know my guests on such a deep personal level thank you okay if you could interview someone that you haven't had the chance to interview yet who would it be 
<laughs> and the sky's the limit? Um, we, we could do, we could do, uh, you know, logical, and then we could do the sky's the limit, however you want to okay. work it. All right. Um, there are a few professors at Manhattanville College. I'm not going to name names, but there's a few of them I would really like to interview. That'd be very incredible. And, um, wow, if the sky's the limit, I mean, that's a very broad spectrum. I would say someone like, what, like... Pavarotti, maybe? <laughs> that would be incredible. <laughs> yeah. Well, being your unofficial agent, I'll get on that right away. <laughs> Please do. See what you can do. Okay. I'll make some calls. <laughs> okay. Anything else? No, those were all my questions. Okay. Well, we have a lot of time left, so let's so. just fill it up. <laughs> okay. Let's see. How are we going to do that? Okay. Sing something. Sing something. <laughs> how much time do you have? 15 minutes. Like 15 minutes. That's okay. Um, you have anything like off the top of your head you want to ask? Ask the audience. Uh, uh, okay, so um, let's ask the audience. Do you guys have any questions you'd like what to... What kind of extra work did you, have you done? On soap operas, what have you done? Uh, I have been on Days of Our Lives, and it was always a bar scene. <laughs> and, and you got to drink a lot? Unfortunately, no. They just give you dummy drinks. I got a cranberry juice that was supposed to be a cosmopolitan every time I was there. (laughs) (laughs) That's really funny. Yeah, that's how it is when you do extra work. Uh, I had a chance to be on Law & Order. I actually turned that one down. Also, the guy who played Big Pussy on The Sopranos, uh, actually his name's slipping my mind right now. I was in a commercial. He was pushing a diet plan. I was in one of his commercials as like... um, one of the backup people. <laughs> Who'd you model for? Uh, I modeled uh, for Neiman Marcus for their spa that was coming out. It was going on their website. I was modeling as, well, my character I was playing was supposed to be a wealthy woman getting a facial. That's awesome. <laughs> Did you get the facial? Uh, I didn't get the facial, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, uh, I also uh, modeled a bit of, like... Um, like lingerie, I don't know how else to put it, delicately, <laughs> uh, for Bloomingdale's at a trade show uh, for a women's health club. And um, I did not get to keep the apparel either. <laughs> so no drinking, no, no keeping goodies, and no facials. You've had a hard life, haven't you? Oh, it's so tough as an actress model. I have a question. So Yes. How has the arts affected you with your experience at Major League Baseball? You know that. Got to mention that. Um, I was a baseball parody writer, and I was hoping to get my songs very famous. <laughs> but that was a major part of my creativity was writing the baseball parodies. In fact, it was almost the core of my creativity at that time. And I pitched it to the producers, no, no real interest. I guess maybe I could have worked more with that. But also, it was the television production's end of Major League Baseball, which was fascinating because I got to do clips. I got to pick out pieces of videos to give to the producers to put it together for advertisements and for documentaries. And that was enriching, actually. It helped me develop an eye for videography. Anthony, you got one for me? I have a question. Okay, shoot. So, uh, what is your experience on the stage? Oh, I was in one production, actually, that I can remember, not counting, like, school plays and, uh, you know, high school and what, I mean, junior high school and whatnot. And that was the talented Mr. Ripley with you as the director. Yes. <laughs> I played the lovely Sophia, the lady of the evening. <laughs> you were so good at that. Oh, thank you so much. And you know, it was such an incredible moment. I broke through as an actress. Not that I was really an actress, but I just connected with the audience. I connected with my role, and it just became me, you know, it just became a part of me, the role itself. And the ovation I got from the audience confirmed how incredible this experience and how real it was. Actually, I, I remember that ovation. I remember that you, not only did you connect with the audience, the audience connected with you. So you were very deserving of that ovation, the very reaction that they gave to you. It was that amazing reaction. And that's what, what brought to me, I was like, wow, yes, 
we were a success. Oh, thank you so much. I loved working on your show. It was such a remarkable experience that helped me grow as an artist. Wonderful. I'm glad that you were part of it. And I'm glad that, that, yeah, I'm glad that it happened. I'm glad that you were part of it. And I'm glad that we were able to all do it. And we survived as well. <laughs> we Woo. got through it. That was an ordeal. <laughs> all right. We look forward to having Derek get interviewed next year. <laughs> <laughs> well, he already has been interviewed, but I don't mind having him back. Well, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. You got one for me? Do I have one? How can I get an internship with Major League Baseball? Just kidding. Because that really made me jealous because you know I'm a baseball freak. But let's see, what do I have for you? Um, Has your interest in the arts flourished? Let me just... I'm not good being on the spot. That's okay, take your time. I can edit this. I know. That makes me very comfortable. (laughs) The beauty of editing. How can you um, teach or um, encourage the arts? Okay, I'm sorry. How can you encourage the arts to younger children, people? Uh, I think it's really important to start them young and to just spread the word as much as you can in every medium. I think, uh, you know, social media has a lot of downsides, but it has a lot of positive sides. And through social media, you can spread the arts. Use it to your advantage, you know? It doesn't have to be your enemy. And in other ways, is like through school, I think schools should be promoting that and, and in your own home. And I think it's so important to let your child explore their creative side, regardless of what that is, when it's discovered, nurture it. and help them grow that aspect of them. <laughs> okay. Ready for me? Yes. Okay. Have you thought about, I know that you're very much into your dancing now, which you are extremely talented at. Have you thought about getting back into your writing? Yes. Actually, I'm thinking of writing a nonfiction book, maybe... Um, you know, there's a lot of relationship coaches out there and life coaches, but not many friendship coaches. And I, I think I would like writing something to help people with their friendships. I don't know. It's just something I've been tossing around in my head. And I've got a blank notebook next to my bed that I, that's been there for about a week, and I still haven't delved into it. I don't know. That might be on the horizon. And I, you know, I just used to love writing fiction also. So maybe one day I'll get back into it, but it's very time consuming and I just have way too much going on right now as far as that goes. But I've been writing songs here and there, which I've gravitated away from parodies and kind of graduated to songs in the past few years, which is a good thing. And yeah, I'm happy about that. Um, Obviously you're an incredible dancer. Have you ever decided to take that to the Broadway level? Um, I'm not familiar with Broadway dancing, but it looks very foreign to me. um, Yeah, I mean, there are aspects of Broadway that do involve ballroom dancing. Like, I kind of did a a little piece on Stephen Sondheim on um, Instagram this week about how he helped ballroom dancing kind of get onto Broadway with things like West Side Story and, you know, um, Do I Hear a Waltz? Was that the name of it? It's it's one of them. I think it's actually a fire fire engine. Okay, that's fine. Let it pass. (laughs) (laughs) I could be there for a long time. Okay. Um, That's all right. We're alive. (laughs) No, we're not. (laughs) (laughs) Are you okay? Um, yeah, I'm okay. <laughs> so, yeah, there are aspects of ballroom on Broadway. So I, I wouldn't mind choreographing a stage show one day. Hopefully, if I get that opportunity. Still hasn't happened yet, but fingers crossed. That would be really cool. What are some of your most meaningful experiences teaching dancing? Oh, gosh, yes. <laughs> I love talking about this, actually. <laughs> one of them is... I used to teach at an assisted living facility with a group of greatest generation people. And one of them, his name was Lenny, World War II veteran. 
he could not dance. He had two left feet, and he was so ashamed of his lack of dancing skills that during the big band era, when all his friends would be dancing, he would be sitting off to the side like a wallflower. Finally, when he got married during weddings and things, he would get up a little bit with his wife, but that's all he did. So now, with me as his teacher, he built so much confidence that during a ceremony event that he was at that was honoring World War II veterans in Washington, D.C., he got up and danced in front of hundreds of World War II veterans because of my instruction. And I almost broke down and cried when he told me that. It was such an incredible, incredible honor for me. That's amazing. <laughs> Thank you. I had one more. I can't even remember it. Oh, yes. I also had this student. His name was Michael. He was a friend of mine from church who took Argentine tango dance lessons. And I got him so interested in the Argentine tango that because of my instruction, he booked a trip to Argentina for two weeks just to explore the tango. He spent the whole trip going to milongas, which is tango parties down in Argentina and taking tango lessons the whole time. And because of me, he was so inspired and he brought me back some tango CDs as a souvenir. And that was such a blessing to have that happen. It sounds like you're doing what you were meant to do and that's just, that's a blessing in and of itself. Thank you so much, Derek. Thank you. How's the charge done? That's fine, 44%. Uh, do, you, do you have a question? Um, what, have you ever considered doing anything else or is the arts just, I mean, I know you've had a series of other jobs or is the arts where you think you were destined to be? I am destined to be for the arts because my left brain, there's really not much there. <laughs> my husband can attest to this. <laughs> yes, I am all right brain. Like I say to people, I, I don't know how I don't walk around with my head tilted to the right because I am so heavily creative. <laughs> Yes. I can attest to that. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Anything else? Let's see. We have five minutes left. We have five minutes. I mean, I, I'm going to be cutting this, so it's going to be even less. Or more, depending on... Or we could just wrap it up. It could be like a... Do you have any future plans? Like, do you have any future plans for the podcast? Do you have any interest in maybe um, expanding it to anything or are you gonna like do you want to just programming thing yeah like do you have any like any kind of an interest in taking the podcast to the next level or expanding it or since you've finished a year already ah uh, yeah it'd be great to get it on YouTube maybe live stream do a video I mean, all these things are great, but they're a lot of work. So uh, we'll see, you know. I just want to point out, I got a haircut yesterday. And no one could see how good I look. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm leaving that in, by the way. Fine. <laughs> you got a really nice haircut. Thank you. <laughs> do, you, do you have a question, Anthony? You look like you were... <laughs> No, just, uh, it, you know, just wonderful experience. This is a wonderful blessing, and I wish you more power. Uh, and keep doing this. Keep finding yourself doing this, okay? Oh, and thank you so much. Thank yeah, you. I know you are. <laughs> no, I'm not. That was beautiful. I might edit the haircut part out, though. It might be a little unprofessional. <laughs> it was funny, though. It was good. We needed the laughter. <laughs> and, oh, I wanted to say this with Joe here. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Yeah, I could edit this out. I'm going to have a lot of editing. <laughs> oh, God. Chris Cuomo has been terminated from CNN. Oh, and, uh, so no, no longer suspended what? indefinitely, right? No, he's... Uh, Wait, what, what did he do now? He, uh, he aided in 
Oh, it helps him for his pervertedness. Something. Yes. <laughs> well, something. He, I, I, I guess they. Is this being recorded? Yes. <laughs> it's, it's not live. I will cut this out. I will. Lee, what do you think about Chris Cole? <laughs> Father Mario's cool. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's rolling in his so there's bridge. There's a bridge named after him, so it's okay. Yeah, he's got the bridge. The legacy. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> We're just waiting for my husband to get out of the bathroom so I can say my final words. <laughs> no, I, um, I think he was sort of plotting, like, I don't know, some kind of. Uh, I really thought I had enough to fill the time. I'm so sorry. Oh, no, that's cool. No, you know, I like this open discussion with everyone. That was really, really, that's, that was awesome. So it feels like old days, right? Oh, definitely. Yeah. You know what? I, you know, I, exactly. you know, we were all talking about, you know, like... <laughs> but when I was sitting on the couch, I was thinking, it, it sucks that we have to get on the Metro North and you have to get on the subway. Wouldn't it be great if we were all in a dorm and we could just all walk back to our dorm rooms? Or we go to the pub? Was that? The pub. Okay. Yeah. The the did, 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 you, did, you, did you guys ever break into the cafeteria? Bushra, yeah, Dan, yeah. and I used to do that all the time. I, I cannot put this on the podcast. I will edit it out for sure. Especially for I Dan's did. sake, because he'll get fired. Well, yeah, you're right. What? Homeland Security—they're really strict at Homeland Security. Like he—he's he, like on the fence about what even do doing that. A, it's so bad. No, no, he's um, what breaking into the cafeteria in college? Ooh, ow. <laughs> Dan, right, breaking into the cafeteria to grab a cereal. Yeah, and, and ice cream sometimes. Yeah, it was there. Ice cream uh, and cereal. Yeah, uh, oh, ice cream. Yeah. No, 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 the ice cream could be a little tough. Yeah. Oh no, with Bush and I ate the ice cream and never hurt our stomachs or anything. Okay. Yeah. Good. I'm surprised. Like none of us got expelled. We just break into the cafeteria at night, and no, no one cares. <laughs> we actually broke into. A, we, well, I shouldn't really broke into, but we wedding crashed. Oh, <laughs> you wedding crashed? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Dan liked wedding crashing. Yeah. When when they had the events on Manhattanville, they did weddings there sometimes. <laughs> so okay, okay, back to the podcast now. Um, I want to thank you all for being a part of this. I love everyone in this room so much. You're all my family. I love you guys so much. I love you too. Love you. <laughs> love you. Uh, and th- thank you, Derek, for hosting this episode. Thank you for giving me the opportunity. It was an honor to do this. This is a milestone episode. One year, baby. One year. Woo! Another year. <laughs> oh yeah. Next year. We'll get you on before another year is up. <laughs> and thank you, everyone. I encourage all of you to stay true to your. I encourage all of you to stay true to your dreams. Be positive, and stay safe out there. Take care, everyone. Thank you for listening. <laughs>